Yo, Inhabit fam. And Bench Gould. Hello. Am I not part of the fam? <laughs> You're one of the two dads of the fam. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure a dad is part of the family. True. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're the two dads or brothers or what we are. I love our relationship, whatever it is. Podpasters, fellow podpasters. Um, all of that, all of that little banter aside, we're going to do another Q&R episode. Yes. There will be questions. There will be responses. They won't necessarily be answers to the no. questions, just responses. Just responses. Which is part of what a habit is, right? A cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. So where people crave answers, we're going to give responses. That, and that's our cue to respond. That's right. Yeah. Hopefully listening will be rewarding. Time will tell. <laughs> so we, uh, we put it to the, to the Inhabit fam on, on Facebook. We asked, you know, what questions would you like us to discuss? And, uh, you know, to be honest, the questions were weird. <laughs> they were strange, <laughs> strange questions mostly. Um, so we're just going to go there. We're just going to go there. All right. Do you want to know the first question? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay. I quote, conspiracies, corruption from a biblical perspective, e.g. New World Order, coronavirus, etc. It's not really a question, is it? It's just a string of uh, a string of stuff, yeah. To respond to, so we'll give a response. Yeah, that's that's what we're here for, to respond. And it is. It's. I mean, there are many questions around this. You know, lots of conspiracy theories floating around in the world at the moment. Yes. Lots of Bill Gateses and five Gs and yes. anti-vax stuff. Yes. How do you feel about five G, Will? To be honest, I don't even. I don't even know what it is. Is it just faster faster mobile internet? I think so. I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> lucky, um, luckily, lucky we're not here for answers, just responses. Yeah. We just lost some of our audience that are like, <laughs> don't you know that 5G is <laughs> yeah. like... Um, uh, 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 what am I going to say? I'm saying conspiracies. Mm. This is what I was going to say. I was listening to my friend, Joel Perry Jones. Shout out. Joel PJ. Good guy. He was talking about conspiracies, conspiracy theories, and the difference between a conspiracy and a conspiracy theory. Oh. So a conspiracy is a thing, right? Mm. A a conspiracy theory is a theory about a conspiracy. Conspiracy. Oh, my goodness. My words (laughs) are not happening. And um, he said in order for us to actually uncover a conspiracy, which there has been lots, you know, in the world, Mm -hmm. lots of things conspiring. Um, what you need is uh, independent bodies of knowledge that are confirming what you are saying, mm-hmm. right? So he used the example of the flat earth theory. Mm-hmm. That's a conspiracy theory. Right. It's not a conspiracy. It's a theory. Mm-hmm. And he said it's fine for there to be theories out, but we just have to hold our judgment on whether they're true or false until we can have independent bodies of knowledge say yes or no. And so the flat earth theory says the earth is flat. So then well, how, do we, how do we know that the world's not flat? Well, we can go to NASA, which is an independent body, right? And they've said the world is not flat. They've been to space. They've seen things, right? Then you can be like, well, NASA, they're in on it, right? Yeah, exactly. That's what I was about to say. The, yeah. the, the conspiracy theorist 
Yes. Is just going to interpret everything through the conspiracy theory a lot of the time. Yes. So then you say, well, what about like pilots and the whole like air flight industry? You know, when you actually fly, you can see the curve of, of the earth. Yeah, and so, so that's, that's another independent body. Yeah, but the pilots, they're on board with all it of, as well. All of the, what about the passengers? Yeah, it's a, it's a very elaborate yeah. Yeah. system. We've all been convinced, all of us passengers. Okay. Yeah. So, look, flat earth, it's a thing. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's, there's uh, two things to be said here. I think Joel is exactly right. And I think it's useful to separate conspiracy from conspiracy theory. There's probably a couple of different groups out there. There's probably people that are um, going to continue to interpret the world through a particular lens no matter what. And they're probably not the best people to give a lot of your energy to trying to convince otherwise. And flat earthers are probably a good example. There's plenty of evidence out there against that. But if there are still flat earthers around, you're probably not going to change their mind. Correct. But there are then another group of people who are people that are, you know, open to change and probably vulnerable to some videos on YouTube or some Facebook posts that would go up because they're kind of just like, if it's a convincingly put together case, people might end up going, oh, maybe, maybe it's not about this 5G Bill Gates, you know, coronavirus thing. Yeah. And I think that's the group of people that, are probably going to be more engaged with if you do present alternative evidence sure. or things like that. So there are lots of interesting coronavirus theories out there. Mm. And I think this is what Joel was saying, like it's okay for them to just to, to to not have a decision on it just yet until all the information comes out. Cuz there will be information come out around the coronavirus if it is some, you know, Chinese conspiracy or there's, you know, anti-vaccination thing going on or whatever it is mm. um it's actually okay not to have a decision about it right now and that's probably actually the best place to be and then the other thing that i would say is just be very wary of people that their whole thing is uh going against something else mm. like that like their whole all their energy is spent in opposition to something else i'm always wary of people that just give all their life to that because usually it's come from some sort of hurt or trauma and they're just dealing with it in that way. Um, so yeah. that's, I, I would always just take anyone like that with a grain of salt. Not saying don't listen, but just. Yeah, I think everybody, uh, I would just recommend have a healthy degree of skepticism about everything, but um, don't stake your life on something until you've got, you know, a range of good sources. Yeah. Um, Super helpful book that I read last year, Factfulness by Dr. Hans Rosling. Uh, particularly what I loved about that was it talked about um, some of our, like our human nature around uh, we actually, we do, there are reasons why we jump towards bad news over good news. There are reasons why um, we, we tend to break up the world into mm. kind of polarized opposites like our it's our brain trying to save energy and and so our brain actually is not always very good at developing a fact-based worldview because mm. it is driven by certain instincts and patterns that lead us to the extremes so um he just says you know there are a number of things you can do to actually remind yourself uh 
you know, that you, you need to gather the facts and slow down. And often there's more than two sides to the story. And he talks about things like the gap between the rich and the poor actually is not a gap. It's the majority of people. Like there's the extreme rich and the extreme poor. And then most people are on mm. um, a mountain in the middle, so falling somewhere in between. So I'd recommend that book. But our, our questioner did ask from a biblical perspective, in particular, there's a corruption from a biblical perspective. So any, any thoughts around why this stuff is so prevalent, kind of from a Christian worldview? Corruption? Yeah. Or, you know, conspiracies, you know, people, people working against the world. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Oh, I mean, the world's, the world's messed up. <laughs> the world is broken. And it actually all stems in the biblical story from uh, a separation from the presence of God. Mm. Um, Eden is set up as like this temple of, of this overlap between heaven and earth. And those things have been divorced. And when they're divorced, we see the result of uh, a world that is, it's got cracks in it and it's broken. And, um, you know, all of us have come from uh, pain in our, in our background, in our stories. Uh, even if you've had the greatest upbringing and, you know, we've all got stuff mm. that we're dealing with. And when you put 7 billion people on a planet that are all dealing with their own uh, story and insecurity and trying to work out who they are, like people just hurt each other. Mm. <laughs> and then add on top of that, the, the um, tendency towards tribalism and finding my people mm. in, in exclusion to the other people, uh, which is just a, it's a, you know, evolutionary response of like, I've, I've got to, make myself feel safe and so that's actually just a really natural thing um that is no longer helpful in our world because you know a lot of the dangers that were around um you know hundreds or thousands of years ago aren't around today and so uh what we've got to do is just beyond move beyond the tribalist tribalistic thinking but but that i think a lot of the corruption comes from that it's it's our mm. individual broken hurtness yeah brokenness as we you know project that onto others and then that happens on a um systemic uh tribal people group yeah and there's probably uh, some stuff well. about power there like there's a big story in the bible about who's going to be king is it going to be is god king or or are we king and, mm -hmm. and in some ways it's funny because a lot of conspiracy theorists are probably calling out power structures but then they create new power structures like mm -hmm. the conspiracy theorists just create a new kingdom mm -hmm. of conspiracy kingdom and so I think like maybe there's, there's biblical like causes for like corruption and fallenness and our free will, which God actually trusts us to make decisions mm -hmm. and some of them are terrible. But there's probably also like a biblical response in terms of like uh, the Bible is a story of people living under the empire often, you know, whether that's in Babylon or whether that's Jesus under the Roman empire. And the response to that is often not to overthrow it or, you know, you don't see Jesus spreading conspiracy theories about Rome. Mm. Um, he understands and calls out the problematic nature of it, but he's also kind of like it's the grassroots change, change from, um, you know, actually live out a different story, live out a better way. Yeah. And, and that's kind of an indirect way of subverting the system. Yeah. And according to the way of Jesus, the way to change the world is to change us to change me mm. and when i'm changed the world around me changes heaven on earth come on all right next question can someone have multiple callings how to discern if it is from god or just a really exciting idea what to do when your calling doesn't mix with your family or former or current beliefs 
or momentary situation or monetary situation or work situation? This is a great question. This is great lots of questions. A great bundle of questions. We're all just a bundle of questions. <laughs> Um, okay, can you have multiple callings? I reckon you are the best person to answer this because you do more different uh, crazy things than anyone I know. Yeah, if you're an Enneagram 7, you can have multiple callings. Um, yeah, it's, it's a great question. One of the most helpful things that I heard along these sort of lines was uh, somebody sharing around the idea that for followers of Jesus, it's like 80% of our calling is shared. Like I am called to love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love my neighbor as myself. And that's my primary calling. That's your primary calling. It's whoever asked the questions, primary calling. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So that's helpful because that's our primary calling. But then it's sort of like there's this 20%, you know, how do you live that out as you, as the unique person that God has made you? And um, I do feel in, in my circumstances, I feel equally called to be a poet, in um, all kinds of spaces that aren't churches or Christian spaces, as well as to be pastoral and to help grow people in their spiritual formation in spaces that we would call spiritual spaces. I mean, I think everywhere is. but So, so yeah, it's probably a bit nuanced and I wouldn't necessarily say to everyone go out and try and do 10 things, but for me part of the calling is moving between those two spaces. So... I think if your heart is pulled somewhere and you feel like you're having a conversation with God in the context of good community and you find yourself moving between a couple spaces that you feel called to, yes is my answer. Sure. Love it. I love it. Well, then, how do you discern a, a God idea, something that, like, God has put on you mm. that, like, this is, like, I was designed to do this, to contribute this to the world. How do you discern that from just a good idea? If, if so much of what we're trying to do is to love God and love people, it, there's a lot of stuff that fits within that, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think there's going to be a certain level of um, trial and error. I don't think you can work this out. I don't think you can work out calling on a calculator or with a spreadsheet. I don't think that means that you should just run in and do everything and try everything and kind of be uncritical, but I think you should have a, you kind of work it out as you live it out a little bit. So I'm a big fan of action and reflection and having mm -hmm. spaces to, um, you know, process with people I trust. What is the Holy Spirit doing in my life? Mm -hmm. I love the idea of like uh, coaching as a space to help ask questions that take a person on a journey towards discerning what the Holy Spirit is saying to them. Yeah. Um, and the, the coach type person is not actually giving the answers. They're just kind of asking helpful questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. So in terms of working it out, I'd say uh, find people that you trust. Yeah. People that you look up to that you think are living in their calling. You know, there are people that you know, like they're in their spot. They're mm. doing what God has made them to do in the world. So get around people like that that are in your kind of world or in your field or in your community and ask them regularly, you know, what, how have they made some of those decisions and what are you trying out and how's it going? And, yeah, get somebody who can ask you good questions would be a huge part of that, I think. Yeah, it's good. What do you reckon? I was, I was thinking about there's, a, there's an old acronym called SHAPE and it's part of understanding like who you are and what you're called to do in, in the world. Um, 
So S S stands for your spiritual gifts. Like what are the things that God's gifted you with? Mm. Um, uh, H stands for heart. Like what do you care about? Like what grabs your mm. your heart? Like what 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 wrenches you? What what you what do you become angry about? What what problems do you want to solve in the world? Um, A stands for abilities. Like what's your natural mm. abilities? Uh, you know, are you a poet? Are you really great at cross stitch? Are you um, a runner, you know, whatever it is, like what, what are the abilities that God's given you? Um, your personality. And so understanding Enneagram number or whatever else you want to use, under, understanding mm. yourself and your own story. And then E is experiences. What What's the story that I've come mm. from? Um, and I heard the other day um, someone talk about, you, you know, your destiny is found in your history. Um, and you see that in a, in a biblical point of view, like, our, our destiny as a world, if you ascribe to the, the story of the Bible, is found in our history in Eden. Mm. Um, and the same thing as, as humans or as organizations, like our destiny is, is written in our history. And the more we can understand where we're coming from, what the start of the story was, the more we can work towards the end of the story. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I know that um, I've learned a lot from my friend Rob Waters, who's an Indigenous guy. He's a Gumaroi man and, and uh, you know, just has such a deep value on um, the stories that have come and been passed down mm. from, from generations and, and grandparents. And, you know, I think uh, maybe that's something that for me or f- maybe for just general, like people, white, middle-class Aussies. We're not good at that at not all. Not great at that. No. We've yeah. been so divorced from uh, place, from culture from history mm. um yeah absolutely and, yeah. and then i guess the third part of that that question is if i was to summarize is you know what do you do when your calling doesn't seem to mix with your situation mm. so when when the money's not there or the family situation is um interesting or um what else did she say you know uh, doesn't mix with your family or, or your former or current beliefs yeah yeah, huge. Such a good question. <laughs> it's a great question. We could do like a whole series on this and we'd be learning along the way. Um, yeah, I think that, and that's, that's, there's probably going to be some level of friction or tension when you're moving into your, your calling. Um, and it's kind of this weird mix of like, there's going to be a deep sense of alignment in the areas that you just spoke about when your personality and your abilities and your heart and your spiritual gifts are coming together, like that's the sweet spot. But if you're moving more and more into what God has kind of, you know, placed you in the world to be a part of, there's going to be some obstacles. There's going to be like a a lack of resources that requires more faith, or there might be some tensions in family relationships, different viewpoints. It's very hard to give a blanket answer because it's going to be super nuanced. Um, but, but I would say some level of, um, it, it, you know, where's, where are your deep values? And particularly if you're a, if you're a Jesus follower, what do you see as the deep values of, of following Jesus? And sometimes that might mean that there are elements in your circumstances which have to conform to the deeper values. You know, mm. you might have to let go of, um, some relationships or some, uh, your, employment your job circumstances yeah. yep. for sure but i don't say that lightly because yeah. it's like you got to weigh that stuff up and again ask good people and but but if there is if there's something deeply burning in you that's going to require a level of change and sacrifice then i'd be listening pretty carefully to that yeah absolutely and what are other people saying that you respect 
in your area, particularly people that are followers of Jesus, I think. And then, um, you know, sometimes we can be paralyzed by the, by the big vision. You know, there's some people just in life that just have a big vision. Mm. Um, and I reckon that in some ways can be paralyzing because like, how do I get from here to there? And the answer is, I think is just take a step. Like the, that's only the ever way. That's only, (laughs) that's the only the ever way. I can't say words. That's the only way it ever yes, thank goes. You. I need a poet in my life. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only way you can you can achieve a big vision. Yeah, is by taking one step. Yeah, and, and then the, another step. The, I just wrap around the whole calling discussion with. It, it, there's nobody who has it crystal clear. Yeah, it's not crystal clear for me. Oh, yeah. Lots of questions. You know, a uh, pretty good idea of the direction I'm heading in, but um, just all of that is like God wants you. God's calling you to, to the next step, like you just said not the step three kilometers down the road, just the next step. What's the next right thing? Very good. Thank you for your question, Tegan, I think that was. Mm, um, great questions, Tegan. All right. This might be our, our last question. Why has a movement of radical inclusion and love, talking about Christianity, been so exclusionary both historically and currently, for example, to queer folk? Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a huge question and an important one to ask, and the kind of question that um, probably either leads a lot of people to reject or to never investigate Christian faith. Um, when we look at the, you know, the the cognitive dissonance between the message of Christ as a message of love and grace and acceptance and forgiveness, compassion. Um, and then we look at, you know, the, the movement of church throughout history and in many, many continued ways today to continue to build barriers and put up walls and exclude. Um, it, it's, you know, it's, it just seems so out of alignment that it's understandable why this is a huge stumbling block for people. Yeah. And I think you've got to be honest about it. I think if you continue to engage with the faith, you know, you should still be asking this question. This is not just a question of do I engage with faith and ignore this question or do I ask this question and leave faith? Mm. I think we've got to wrestle with this. Yes. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, it probably goes back to some of that stuff we talked about with the corruption stuff, but yeah. you know, it's more specifically, why, why does the church fail so badly in this area? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing I think it comes back down to uh, or one of the core things is uh, a big word, but it's our hermeneutic, which means how do we how do we read and understand the Bible? Mm. Um, and uh, that has been a, a big question through church history. It continues to be a big question. How do we interpret the Bible? This ancient old text that was written over thousands of years, you know, forty plus authors, uh, possibly more, um, you know, different cultural contexts, written to different people. How do we take that? And affirm that it's the word of God, affirm that it's God breathed. Um, and how do we bridge the gap of what, what it's saying then to what it's saying now? And that is, that is one of the biggest questions that's plagued Christianity. And, and rightly so, it's a really, really important question. Mm. And I think a lot of uh, what comes down to some of these uh, things being asked in this question is how do we, how do we understand the Bible? Because uh, there's lots of stuff written that, 
in the Bible that seems like it disagrees with itself. And it does it often disagree with itself in different parts. Mm. And so how do we take that and how do we, how do we wrestle with that? And I think, you know, all through church history, people have tried to be faithful to the word of God, faithful to the Bible um, in whatever they, way they, that's, they've seen that that kind of fits where they are, their hermeneutic. And so I don't, I, I, there probably are instances where it actually really has been um, fueled by a racial hatred or, you know, um, uh, fear of the other. Um, but I think mostly it's people trying to love God and love neighbor in the way that they know how. Um, and unfortunately that has resulted in lots of different things and it still is a, is a massive wrestle today. Um, yeah. And there's probably a big question there around like often throughout history, well, Christianity, your Christianity is always married to your cultural context. You can't get away from that. Like you practice your Christianity within being all of the other things that you are, but also Christianity has been tied to certain nation states it's been it's been tied to certain political parties, yeah. Um, and so, at that point, you have to ask: Is this person's behaviour more a reflection of their Christianity, mm. or a reflection of their politics, or a mm. reflection of their their uh, patriotism, or a reflection of their, you know, their moment in cultural history? And the question is: What's really shaping you? Because I probably think if you're really being shaped by the work of Christ, then your life should be shaped by radical inclusion and love. Um, but it's very possible that you have Christianity, but the prevailing shaping force in your life is actually your Australianness or yeah. your, um, you know, your uh, capitalistness. Yeah. Like, or, so or, on the, that. or on the other side of that, your values are being shaped by your progressiveness as well, more than you following Jesus. And so I think it's a great question to ask across mm. the across the, like, this isn't for sure. This isn't just a question for someone else. This is a question for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love, I love that. But I think, it, yeah, I think that's, for me, that's a helpful thought is we're not just pure Christianity, right? Everybody who, everybody who's causing either harm or, or damage and the label Christian is hanging around, there's a mix of influences going on. And I know I want to continue to submit more of my life to Christ but I also know that there are areas of my life where it's being more shaped and more influenced by other things. And so um, where, do you, where do you lay the blame or where do you assign responsibility? And it's, it's a complex mix. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think when it comes to um, queer inclusion in churches, part of the thing that uh, – part of the exclusion probably at the moment is uh, there hasn't been – we haven't been forced to wrestle with it as – as because it's a huge issue and it um it upends a lot of stuff you, when you start to really wrestle with mm. things and how you interpret the bible and what does it look like in our culture what does it look like in 2020 what does it look like in australia um and that is scary for anyone mm. um and so it it takes actually a lot of courage and a lot of emotional energy and a lot of relational capital to actually engage in some of those conversations for sure and um that's probably why it hasn't happened across the board mm. yeah but it you know that question's obviously going to continue to be oh, huge. more and more prominent so yeah, it's yeah. sort of like the the answer and you know we it's very easy to look at our or we look back at previous moments in history with a certain uh you know like judgmentalism about people in the past and i'm sure people will do that towards us 
and uh, you, you just don't quite know until you're on the other side of your moment how, how all the cards are going to settle. Yeah. Well, I think that's our last question. We did have one more, which we're just going to reference as a, as a bit of a footnote. Octopus Jesus, discuss, that is all. <laughs> and my response is read C.S. Lewis's Space Trilogy. Oh, I wanted to read that. Well, there you go. There's the response. Cool. That's good. I feel like I often talk over the outro music. You do. Range, so it's over, over to you. Now. No, your voice is just much better over the outro music. That's a lie. You're 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 more well suited for this. I think you. Job. I think you've got a calling here to explore. No, this is this is your calling. I don't have multiple callings. I've definitely been called to too many podcasts. That's for sure. <laughs> that is true. Uh, if you like this one and you think we should keep making this one, show us some love. Get in the Facebook group. Send us a message. I know we always say leave us a rating and review, but when people text us or send us a message, it's actually so great to hear what has been helpful for you. So, love to hear from you. Bye.